from the book of Genesis. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his children and made him a robe of many colors. When his brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than his brothers, they hated him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning, my brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, if you're visiting with us, uh, welcome. And if you're uh, seeing us for the first time on the internet, uh, again, welcome. We're glad to have you with us. Over the past few weeks, we have been working our way through uh, the book of Genesis. And I don't often preach on Genesis, but it's been a fascinating several weeks. We've been learning about this family, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their wives and their children, and it's incredible, incredible. It's probably uh, one of the most dysfunctional families you'll ever come across, and that in itself makes it kind of interesting, because remember, the middle word of dysfunctional is fun. <laughs> Greed, sibling rivalry, favoritism, lies, deceit, they're all present, and more, much more. But God sticks with this family. He's made a covenant with Abraham and his descendants. God sticks with this family, and they, of course, with him. Now, today's story is known as the coat of many colors, sometimes the coat with long sleeves. It's a matter of translation. But this story, among many things about it, is a story of justice. Justice. Jacob's preference for Joseph manifested itself in many different ways. But the thing that really brought it to the attention of his brothers, this, this favoritism, this predisposition to Joseph, was that coat of many colors, a beautiful coat, a luxurious coat, something that they all would have liked to have for themselves. And Joseph's brothers hated that coat, and they hated their brother Joseph and their father. They hated Joseph because he was wearing it, they hated his father because he gave it to them, to, to Joseph instead of to them. And they hated Jacob and Joseph so much that they couldn't even speak to them. They couldn't express themselves. And all they had decided to do was to kill Joseph, get rid of him. Now, of course, that response was way over the top, but it just shows how angry they were with Joseph and his father. They could not speak to Joseph 
peaceably. The brothers continued to conspire to kill Joseph because they wanted justice. They wanted to set things right. But what they wanted was unjust justice. To be sure, Joseph and his brothers lived in a time when justice and talking about justice was, was just not happening. It was not what they were doing. And while we may be sympathetic toward them, toward the brothers, Scripture says that Joseph's brothers were at fault. They were wrong. And when Joseph was sent by his father to see how the other boys were doing, how they were taking care of the sheep, they were upset. And while his father saw that his son was taking care of business, the brothers saw a chance to get rid of Joseph. And so when Joseph arrived at their camp, his brothers captured him and took his coat, that coat of many colors, that luxurious piece of clothing. But Joseph was saved from death right then and there when his brother Reuben interceded on his behalf. And instead of killing Joseph, they came up with an idea, a good idea, they thought. They would sell him into slavery. And they did. They sold him to some traders that were on their way to Egypt. And we have a whole another story with that arrival in Egypt. But you might wonder, was it for jealousy and hatred that Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery? Or was it due to the injustice they experienced from their father? Or both? Most of us, I believe, feel some sympathy for the brothers, for the obvious favoritism, for the discrimination that was shown, for that exceptional way that Jacob treated Joseph. Because Jacob did treat his children unjustly. And injustice should not be indulged. And, I, you know, one of the things that I learned in seminary some 55 years ago was you should never, ever tell a congregation what they should do. Well, I'm telling you because I'm telling myself. Christians ought to be concerned about and act on behalf of justice. But they ought not to use unjust, illegal, criminal means for pursuing it. You know, Christians have had a Apache record of 
how they've acted on behalf of justice in the past. I mean, everyone is aware of those uh, classic acts of oppression and violence that were committed by Christians, by the church, against others. The Crusades, the Inquisition, just to name two. And even today, Christians are accused of doing violence against others. But all the same, Christians have acted faithfully and heroically for the sake of justice. I mean, advocates for justice include acts of compassion for those who suffer. And Christians, such as William Wilberforce, fought to abolish slavery. Walter Rauschenbusch advocated changes in governmental policies that created and perpetuated poverty. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. fought for civil rights for everyone. And there have been those who advocated on behalf of women and children and the disabled. And Christians should continue to perform acts of compassion. And most importantly, Christians should proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Proclaim that news to those who are oppressed by sin, bondage, and death. Christians should also advocate justice for themselves and their families, their churches, and their communities. Christians, I believe, should examine their lives and their relationships and act justly with their spouses, their children, their parents, their friends, their communities. Likewise, Christians should not hold back from involving themselves in overturning injustices in society. But here's the kicker. In pursuing justice, Christians should be aware of their means for pursuing it. We should never, never, never use unjust means for achieving a righteous goal. Ultimately, it is God who is responsible for righting every wrong. Now, we are called to partner with God to love Him and our neighbors. That's what our responsibility is. Well, the prophet Micah put it this way. What does the Lord require of us but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Let us pray. Grant, Almighty God, that your holy and life-giving Spirit may so move every human heart, especially the hearts of the people of this land, 
that barriers which divide us may crumble, suspicions disappear, and hatreds cease. That our divisions being healed, we may live in justice and peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinityvero.org and follow us on Facebook.